episode two, I've got Austin Lewandowski in the room. Good morning, my fellow listeners. We uh, just checked the stats on episode one. We had uh, about 32 listeners, which was actually double what we expected to hear. So thanks for tuning in. Heard some good things, some good comments from people about uh, appreciating getting the background on Pastor Brandon and his uh, life and transition. And so today we're actually going to be talking to Austin here in a little bit um, about his background. If you've been around Great Oaks at all, uh, you know the whirlwind that is Austin Lewandowski. <laughs> and uh, he's kind of arrived on the scene a couple years ago and taken the place by storm. And so uh, if you've been in high school ministry or in life groups, you've heard his name. Uh, but you're going to get to hear his story here in a little bit. But uh, he's also the brainchild, the instigator, the catalyst for this podcast. We're going to talk about that as well uh, later on. But uh, first, I just let's talk Christmas, Austin. Like, how was your Christmas? Christmas, Christmas was awesome. We had some family members come over, um, newer family members actually. Okay. Uh, my brother's girlfriend, sister, brought her two young children over, and we had a nice. Uh, a first Christmas for them. Nice. Um, first Christmas for my niece Skylar as okay. well. And uh, dropping name Skylar. You got yeah, it. man. She is just the most beautiful little girl. That's I've awesome. Ever met. Uh, a true blessing. A true blessing to our lives, to our parents, and everybody. Um, and so yeah, that's one thing I'm definitely been thankful for this Christmas is um, the new family members we've gained. Nice. So, yeah. You got all serious right there. Like, I, dang, that's uh, awesome. sorry. I was expecting like you know what was your favorite present so. Uh, Favorite present had to be some wool socks that I got. Wool socks. Merino wool socks. <laughs> yeah, I'm a trail runner now, so that's a that's a big thing, as you may know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're running trails? Yeah. All right. Well, now that Brandon's out of the picture, like, you and I are going to have to start trail running. So I, I got to drop the uh, Christmas weight. So <laughs> who, who am I kidding? I got to drop the 2018 <laughs> weight. So it's it's not Christmas. It we'll do, we'll do some biking to get you back, back, back up to... There we shape. go. Yeah, I haven't I haven't ridden my bike since that big bike trip from DC to to uh, Pittsburgh. The big the big Peppa. Yeah, like we put the bikes away in October and none of us have ridden since. See, that's the problem. Is like you think like once it just get, just because it got cold out, you can stop working out outside. When no, I was running before, I I ran through the winter. It was one of my favorite things. This I is, loved running through the winter, having the big ice beard when you come back from a run. That was sweet. The peace and solitude that comes with running outside, being in God's creation. Oh yeah, we both, we both had connected. Yeah, along now, those lines, we did. But you're a hunter and a fisherman, right? Like you're an outdoors guy, like that kind of. More like guy. I just like to be outside. I okay. wouldn't necessarily say even like hunting focused or fishing focused. It's okay. just like I just like to be outside. Okay. How do you feel about uh, throwing knives and throwing tomahawks? Um, awesome. If given the opportunity, we used to do it much yeah. as a child. Yeah. We used so to that, was, that was one of the Christmas presents I got this year. Really? Yeah. My, uh, my son bought me uh, throwing knives. Um, he knows I've already, got, I've already got throwing hawks, but we uh, have throwing knives now to add to it. So we're going to set up a target outside our house and we're going to go to game. town. <laughs> this changes the game. This changes the game, Chris. The other uh, uh, awesome <clears throat> Christmas present I got... Um, so the throwing knives were from my son Ethan. Uh, my daughter Morgan got me a 10-pack uh, of moon pies, like original moon pies made in Chattanooga, Tennessee, because I was flipping out about them when we were down there on vacation last year. Karen wouldn't let me buy 10 of them. I don't know why. Maybe it's the same reason I need to lose weight. Uh, but <laughs> my daughter came through, saw him at Bass Pro. Rather than a gift card, she's like, I know my dad. I know what he loves. So we need some moon pies. So well, after, awesome. after the moon pies... After you get get your head back in the game, we can start doing some trail right. runs. I think moon pies are good trail energy. 
So take him out on the trail, have it three miles out on a run, stop for a moon pie break, and run back. So Yeah, 10-4, 10-4. We'll have to work on our approach to trail running. So, um, But, hey, that's awesome. Glad you guys had a great Christmas. Um, we are uh, here at church on Sunday morning, December 30th, wrapping up 2018. It's been a great year here at Great Oaks. Lots of changes. Uh, Pastor Nate's preaching right now as we're recording this podcast to close us out. And we're looking at a new year. Uh, we've got a new teaching series coming up called Focus on Sunday mornings. And student ministry is getting ready to start. We're on kind of a, a break right now for Christmas. Uh, but we're going to come back. High school ministry, Culture Shift, meets this next Sunday, uh, January 6th. And then middle school ministry, P56 and Breakaway, are back on Wednesday, January 9th, and right after school starts. So looking forward to getting back in the groove. Excellent. So. Back in the swing of things for the new year. Yeah, yeah. And in case you uh, you didn't see, uh, with Pastor Brandon's departure, we are in the hunt for another student pastor. So that is out there on churchstaffing.com. Uh, be sure to check us out. Hit us up if you're looking for a job in student ministry. You can join this amazing duo right here. I'm actually I'm not actually not part of the duo within like officially the church, but I am sitting in the chair of the person, the vacant seat, and it feels it feels pretty good. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a lot there's a lot that could go good here. There we go. There we go. Uh, Austin is not leaving his job, I don't think, to go student ministry, but. We'll, uh, we'll I'll just see. I'll stay in the I'll stay in the volunteer world. There we go. There we go. We love volunteers more than volunteers. You guys are family, so thank you very much. Well, let's get to know Austin a little bit. Like I said, if you have been around Great Oaks, um, you've heard the name, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, he is a high energy, high capacity leader, uh, whirlwind, involved in a lot of things really quickly. And uh, it's just a guy that we've come to know and love and somebody that I get to pour into personally uh, to mentor. And so we have a lot of time together over meals and hanging out and it looks like we're going to start trail running together. Um, and so it's just been a, a pleasure to get to know him. Uh, but I wanted to give you guys, our dedicated listeners, the opportunity to get to know who this guy is that you've seen around the building, maybe heard the name, but you don't know much about him. So let's. Uh, this is all going to be about Austin and how we came to this point of actually recording this podcast. So. Um, so let's start there. So Austin, you are from Metamora area originally, correct? I am born, was born, raised in Germantown Hills, Illinois. Okay. Best place on earth. <laughs> I heard one time that Peoria was called the gravitational center of the universe because people may come here, grow up here and leave, but they eventually come back. Or at some point, a lot of people are coming to live here. So yeah, I've, I've, I've had that experience. It's, it's magnetic in a way. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily Peoria, more like family. Yeah. Oh. Maybe great Oaks. Maybe Absolutely. I, I it could know. be, it could be great Oaks. There's a lot of family stuff in this community as well. So there is a big draw. We, we do see people that move away, um, who've been part of the life of the church and this community, and they kind of refer to it as Mayberry a little bit, although I know it's not <laughs> Mayberry-esque, right? I mean, I work with students, so I understand what this community is you know, like at times. Um, it can be challenging. But, it's Mayberry. So you, higher, but you taxes. graduated. So what were you saying? Mayberry with higher taxes. <laughs> Mayberry with higher taxes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you graduated Metamore High School. I did. I graduated in 2010. Okay, so it's 2018, almost 19, so you're eight years removed from the students you're working with right now. Yes. So it puts you about 26 years old. Tell me about your time at Metamora High School. So Metamora High School was a fun time for me. Um, I'd grown up all throughout my childhood playing JFL, right? Metamora football was what we did. Um, that was kind of like how I was raised and, you know, I was naturally a big kid and like, they were like, Hey, you should play 
Metamora football. And so that's kind of the, uh, the role that I fit into. And going into high school, um, you know, I was very good. I was very good academically. Um, I excelled in that way. And so I always made time for, for sports as well. Um, and I just started to, to really take hold of that. And that became, that became kind of my identity for okay. sure. Um, throughout high school. It's easy for um, that to happen. Yeah, very easy. And you can see, we'll, we'll get to later on where, you know, that identity kind of led me astray. Um, but I was, uh, dating a cheerleader for most of, most of my high school days. Um, just living a, living a happy high schooler's life, man. Just living it up. Yeah. Playing football. And no, so you're a youth group leader now working with high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Were you involved in any sort of youth ministry? I was not. No. So like I was, I was born and raised Catholic. I was baptized Catholic. Um, went to church, you know, here and there, kind of a creaster, if you will. Um, but That's Christmas and Easter, Christmas and Easter only. Um, but was not really involved in the church much at all until, until I met that girl okay. um, in high school. And so that's kind of where my, my journey, my faith began, um, was football cheerleader. She was like, y'all need to go to church. So we went to church Okay, um, and that was, that was good. That yeah. Was good. Yeah. Um, what church was that? It was great Oaks. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Just had to put that plug in there for us. So awesome. <laughs> so you've been around for a little while, yeah. but um, what happened like post high school, like there were some, you, you went on to college, um, you got a degree in mechanical engineering. Okay. And that's what you do now. Yeah. So, so mechanical um, engineer, but there were some, there were some significant turning points. Um, you know, it was kind of some life events in college and early adulthood, like walk us through kind of that timeline. So early on, like through the football thing, obviously, you know, I was hanging out with a lot of the, the jockish type personalities and there was, there were a few of the guys that I really, I really looked up to and I admired because not because of their athletic abilities or, or anything, their leadership abilities. Um, but it was because they were different and they were different in the way that they were, they were spiritual leaders, right? Even at the high school age, like they were leading FCA, they were leading warships. They were, um, gathering students together to meet at the Monte Cristo room, um, which is, you know, now Michael's in, in Germantown and, you know, they would host worship nights and it was, it was awesome for me to see that and get exposure to that. And then at one point in time, they just kind of like wrangled me in. Just, <laughs> I have a tendency to just get wrangled into things, I guess. Um, so they brought me, uh, they brought me to one of those worship nights and went with my girlfriend and, you know, we had this amazing worship. It was one of those very emotional, you know, had there been the, the gold dust thing, there would have been gold dust in the room. Um, <laughs> at least, at least that's how I saw it through my starry eyes. Um, but that was, you know, the first day I had met God. Right? Okay. And so that led into, you know, spending more time around those guys and them kind of steering me and prodding me along in my faith. Okay. So I want to go back to that, that night. Like, what was it specifically that you feel like God did that night or, or the way that he spoke to you in ways that he hadn't done before, or maybe he had been, but you hadn't been listening. So what, what was it about that night specifically? Man, I just, I get emotional when, when I feel that conviction, that sense of conviction. And so I may or may not have been doing things at that time that I shouldn't have been doing and felt convicted about it. And I felt for that first, that first time I felt this sense of freedom, you know, that the sense of freedom, the sense of grace that, you know, God bestows upon us. And so that was that kind of like, you know, 
thrown off my chains, you know, every every worship song that references that it was it was that spiritual high. Sure. So sure, absolutely. And then these guys take you under their wing. Um, what did that look like? So that was basically just me, very small steps, you know, maybe leading a teaching for FCA, maybe leading a prayer for the football team, uh, maybe giving a short talk, you know, before the football game. Is, is um, this but is this while you're a high school student or college? Now? This is this is high school. This, this is high school. Still, still. This is okay. high school. Okay. Um, but then as you know, as I kind of exited the football thing, um, unfortunately, it it somewhat stopped. Okay. I, I had poor follow through with that. I had four, poor upkeep. Okay. Um, girl left. I went to ICC, kind of started doing my own thing and getting yet again involved in more things I shouldn't have been doing, um, which led me down the down a path of you know I kind of forgot God was there the whole time. Okay. And so um, yeah, my spiritual walk had you know ended before it really even got started. Hmm. Um, so went to. Community college went to ICC for two years and graduated there. Went down to Carbondale, um, and most people know that you know problems only get magnified when you go to a large university, especially Carbondale. <clears throat> especially um, Carbondale. I, I spent my freshman year there, so I know sure it's part of my well. my story of coming to Jesus. <laughs> Everybody's kind of heard their stories of there. Well, you, most of them, as with any large university, it's true. Yeah. Right. It's easy to get sucked in. Sure. Um, and so, you know, just led me further down, further down the path, farther away uh, from Jesus. Yeah. And so that was kind of a where I kind of started to go on the downhill slide. Right. And so we're going to talk about the downhill slide before we talk about the uphill. Right. 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 Um, yeah. So you graduate there with a degree in mechanical engineering. So I graduate mechanical engineering. Um, I moved to St. Louis for two years, and I'm working there, living there, um, living basically with other girlfriend at the time. And her family was again somewhat Catholic priesters, with a few Sundays thrown in there. Okay. Um, so I got a little bit more Jesus. Um, didn't do much with it. Uh, just kind of went, received the message, spiritual high for a day or two. Again, poor follow through. Led to very little execution. And so, you know, it was just kind of yet another empty, hollow period of my life where I was just kind of running around doing stuff with an unfocused okay. unfocused goal, if you will. So you talked earlier about how football had become your identity as an athlete mm-hmm. in Benmore High School. Mm-hmm. Is it safe to say that during this time, you know, maybe your final couple of years in college and those years in St. Louis, you're still trying to figure out who you were and, and what your identity was going to be? I was, I had, I took that, you know, that love for athleticism and football because um, I used to be a real chunky kid, so I didn't want to go back to that. Uh, it was fitness. For me, it was, I always gravitated towards fitness. And a lot of it became like I was just f- solely focused on myself. Okay. Right? It was inward focused. And I didn't spend a lot of time going outward with it. Um, So I was trying to figure out who I was. um, But a lot of times I was just getting wrapped up in in the parties and, you know, debauchery, if you will. (laughs) Sure, sure. So what what happened then? Um, Because the the Austin you're describing, um, I I know your story. Like we've sat and shared all this before. Um, You've heard mine. I've heard yours. But a lot of people have never heard this mm-hmm. this part of your life. 
they only know the Austin they see now, right? And so there was, there was an old life, and there's now this new life, and something happened there with your faith that was a pivotal circumstance. What was that moment? So when I left St. Louis, I moved back home to, to be around my family. I missed there was a big hole in my soul of missing my family, my friends, you know, everything. Um, I missed Germantown Hills for some odd reason, whatever, <laughs> whatever that reason may be. I know you guys are laughing right now, but whatever that reason may we, be, you know, though, I think, I think side tangent, we all as middle school, high school students, like we talk about how we hate our hometown we can't get away from it, you know? And then so often we end up loving our hometown, whether we move back there or not. Right. We end up realizing how pivotal that place was and how much of our childhood memories were there. And it does become, it's not just nostalgia, uh, but there is a deeper appreciation, I think, for our hometown. Um, and I mean, for me, that was part of what led me away from Carbondale was I needed to get back closer to home mm-hmm. to a university that was only 45 minutes from home rather than two and a half hours. And there is that magnetism that family and, and where you grew up has. For for me, it's I'm, I'm an insanely relational person, I believe is, is the correct word. Okay. Um, so I, I lean a lot on relationships to, to, to motivate me. I also love, I love to motivate others. Um, I've had several, I would say I have like three to five father figures, like solid rock, solid father figures in, a, in addition to my dad. Okay. Right. And they all live like literally in whispering Oaks, yeah. um, or out, around whispering Oaks. And so that, that drew me back. Man. Yeah. It's, it's what I grew up around. It's what I loved. Sure. Um, and I wanted to be able to realizing doing more reflection recently, I realized like, I want to provide that to the same community that gave it to me. Nice. Like, I want to get back. Okay. okay. Um, that's why, that's why I love volunteering within great Oaks. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. the church that, that saved me. Yeah. Right. So we'll get there. Um, yeah. We'll get there. About your, what, what all you're doing to give back, which is a lot. Um, it's very impressive, but what, let's go back to that, that pivotal pivotal moment. moment. What, what was that that led to, um, you getting baptized and becoming the Austin that so many people around this church now know? I can't say it was one pivotal moment. It was a, it was a period of time that was just further decay into, my favorite sins, man. Okay. Um, and took me down. I was just empty, feeling yeah. empty, feeling hollow, um, lack of goal, purpose, drive, whatever you want to call it. And I remember, I think back to this time in SCA, that, that you know, mountaintop experience with the dudes at Michael's Monte Cristo room, you know, worshiping God. And I was like, I need to get back to that. And yeah. so I decided to go back to church and... It was just walking through the doors. You know, it felt it felt good. It felt right. Um, it wasn't easy, per se. What do you mean by that? I, 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 I want to yeah. I I hit. I want to pause here because I think this is something that probably a lot of people struggle with: is feeling like they can come back to church after being away for so long and feeling like they'll be accepted, loved, welcomed back in. All of that, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no, it's a pride. It's a, especially for dudes. It's an insane pride thing, right? Yeah. Like, or, or I'm so bad. Like, how could anyone accept me? Um, how could 
how could God ever forgive me for what I've done? Okay. And I was just like, I, I just have to do it. Like I have no other options. Yeah. It, and it's not like I was this like murderous person. I wasn't, you know, an adulterer. I wasn't sure, you know, sure. doing nasty, terrible things, but I still felt the shame. The yeah. shame was yeah. overwhelming. And what did you experience when you walked it back into church? I don't think I made it 15 feet without being greeted saying, you know, people, people welcoming me in, um, you know, smiles, hugs, you know, people I hadn't seen in forever. Yeah. And, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. It was was awesome. And then, you know, sat down for first service and the message, you know, the, the message was just what I needed to hear. Um, as God always does, Yeah, (laughs) you know, that, that, that one time that you just need the message the most, he delivers. Yeah. Um, and so I came back the next week and I came back the next week and I was like, this feels good. I feel like I'm on, on an upward path. Um, somebody mentioned, Hey, we do baptisms. I'm like, I should get baptized. Yeah. Right? This seems like a good right thing to do. I should get baptized. Um, and then from that point on, I was like plugged into a men's, I think you pulled me into Tuesday morning men's group and no, I'm, I don't remember the timing. Are you I'm, telling me? Yeah, I'm, oh, okay. I'm telling All you right. this. Shortly right. after I, after I, you know, wanted to get baptized, you were like, "Hey, come join this men's group." Got plugged in there, and I just saw the the growth potential there, and I saw how I could learn from from my elders, from my mentors, or or the possible mentors. Sure. And so, once I decided to get baptized, I was like, "I like this. I like this feeling. It reminds me of." The first time in high school, and uh, I was like, I decided I wasn't going to do this half effort, half hearted, yeah. you know. So I plunged head on, all in, full on, full on, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's been a so you ride so you got plugged into the men's group. You got wrangled into student ministry. Um, you started a life group as well mm-hmm. of young adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like I said earlier, I mean, Austin kind of arrived on the scene and. Um, is a whirlwind, um, high capacity, high energy leader. Um, he asked me one time, I remember him saying, why, 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 why do you want to spend time with me? Why did you invite me to men's group? Why do you, do you want me in student ministry? And, and I remember saying to him, like, I, I saw things in you that I saw that my mentor saw in me. Uh, you were teachable. Uh, you were hungry. You wanted to grow. You wanted to serve. You wanted to lead. Um, and you were humble in that as well. And you were just, all in on your faith and wanted to do whatever you could for the kingdom of God. And so I wanted to come alongside and, and um, partner with you in that. And, you know, obviously a couple of years later, that led us to this moment where yeah. we're sitting here. But there's been a lot that's happened since then. I think, you know, with all of the things you've been involved in, um, we've talked before that the mission trip to Peru was two years ago was probably uh, one of the most life-changing moments. Was that two years ago or last that summer? That was last year. That was last summer. Wait, this past summer, like 2018? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, wow. 2017. 2017. Yeah. So 2018 was your second time? No. Yes. How many times have you been to Peru? Once. Who you know. So 2018 was the year that you went to Peru. This year, like six months ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Sorry. Sorry. We, just, I, we Confusion. We've talked through timeline, but it, <laughs> it blurs together. So... So, yeah, but we talked to you like a year ago because uh, we plan these trips like nine months in advance. Mm-hmm. We have team meetings and recruit leaders and recruit students and fundraisers and all this kind of stuff. Um, so you were a part of all of that. Um, talk to me. Um, 
about that like moment when either Brandon or I said you should go to Peru. So because there was hesitation. Yeah, not really. Um, there was as as I got more involved, right? I had I'm I'm a I'm let's say more of a, a bonfire of energy rather than rather than a guided laser. Okay. And so so your leadership and your mentorship to me has has helped me kind of focus my efforts. Um and you guys kind of directed it towards student ministry. I think you saw the energy that I mm-hmm. had. I think you saw the the desire um well, and, to and work with to work with, you know, just the basically the the generation just below me, right? Yeah, and it, it was the uh, one of the things that we saw the most was your ability to relate to students. You know, you're you're passionate about Jesus, and you have this this inherent ability to relate well to students, and they respond to you. And we saw that already happening, and so yeah, we wanted to draw you in at deeper. So levels. that's that's the cool thing about having like awesome mentors within church and within just life in general is you guys have this view. You see me interacting with students that this 5,000 foot view that I can't, I'm not even aware of. And you're like, Hey, you need to do this. And so, um, when I find a good mentor, I I tend to listen to that person. And so Brandon and yourself were like immediately, like I was like, I need to stick with these guys. And so I received a text message one day as I'm sitting, you know, typing on my computer and my phone buzzes and it's Chris genders. And it says, Hey, you want to go to Peru? Because I had heard this, I'd heard this, you know, it's been popping up in uh, sermons and whatever. It's like, hey, you know, we're getting ready to go to Peru, we're getting ready. To... I'm like, I should go on a mission trip. Like, that'd be cool. That'd be a cool opportunity. Have I'm you like, ever been on one before? No. Okay. I'm like, how do you get involved in that? Like, how do you, how does one get selected on the elite team of students and <laughs> leaders to be sent by the, by our church to go to another country and you know, be a missionary for a week and I was like I'll be honest we are selective when it comes to a trip like this like not everybody makes the cut <laughs> you guys chose me though like, as, <laughs> as one of them, though, I, maybe the judgment like lapsed on that I don't know um, but anyway okay so I'm sitting there I get this text and it was one of those God moments where you're like hey man this is a shoulder tap I need I need to do this and I think I respond within like 16 seconds. It was, yes. It was quick. <laughs> it was like, yeah. He's like, do you want to know anything about it? I was like, nope. Sign me <laughs> up. So, um, yeah, it was just something I knew I needed to do. I was scared. I was frightened. I was like, what, what did I just get myself into? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cause it's not just a one week commitment. It's, it's nine months. It's a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of investment in students Yeah. and the relationships that you form with students when you travel with them on a missions trip, last well beyond the missions trip. And so, yeah, that was good that you were aware that, like, wait a minute, I think I just signed on for more than seven days. It's uh, Absolutely you did. It's, we talked about controlling the tongue today in our sermon, and <laughs> that was something I hadn't really worked on at that point. And so it just kind of slipped right out. I was like, yep, uh, before I knew what I was getting myself into. But I'm, I'm very glad I did. Yeah. And uh, So we bring you in. You start meeting with the team. Um, there comes that moment where you board the plane. And you're heading to South America. So, man, walk us through what your kind of observations were. Like, I'm just going to open it wide. Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. narrow in on, on just one sure. thing, like just the students or poverty or the work you did or the missionaries. Like, g- give us a, a, a glimpse into Austin's mind during this trip. I was, I was on guard. Like, as I was, my biggest thing, like, going on the trip is 
traveling with a large bunch of high school students, I was really trying to play that like manly man role. Okay. Um, and trying to help Brandon, you know, be kind of a, a, a co-leader for Brandon. Um, cause I mean, he's my bro. Yeah. And I knew he was under a lot of stress and I knew that we were both faced with like both kind of first timers, if you will, facing the same challenge together. So it was, um, very important to me to have a strong bond with him and not only with him, but with every student that we went with. Okay. And so we spent a lot of time beforehand, like getting to know each other, all the students getting to know each other, working together. Um, so that as we boarded the plane, like we were, we were ready. Yeah. I, I, I felt I was ready. Um, I was in a good headspace when we went on that trip. Good. Um, but just, I wasn't ready for what happened when we got in country. Like it was, what do you mean? Just humbling, eye opening. Like I didn't know what to expect. Like you can't YouTube, you know, what happens on your first mission trip. Like you just have to live it, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And so that was it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can, you can see pictures, you can watch videos, you can hear stories, but until you step off a plane in a developing country and, you know, Lima, when we arrive is, is obviously it's a major city. But we quickly travel outside of the city into the impoverished areas. And, you know, you guys spent a week um, in a remote village outside of a, a jungle city. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you can see pictures and you can watch videos and you can hear stories. But until you get in a, a van, drive down a bumpy road, inhaling dust, smelling the smell. Moto of, taxis of, zooming in and out right, everywhere. Right. And, but then the smells of... Um, you know, the cooking and the garbage and the uncleanliness areas. And, and, you know, I've heard it said before that poverty has an odor and you can't smell that through a video. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't feel the emotions on your heart until you're standing outside of a small shack, realizing this is somebody's home that in all of their possessions, when it's not even a 10th of the size of your garage back home. Absolutely. Right. No heat, no air, no very little running water, very little electricity, um, you know, just wasn't prepared for that. Um, but I tried to have a presence of mind around me that I am, you know, I had to be one of these leaders. So I was like trying to hold myself up along with Brandon the whole way, um, keeping a heads up, you know, kind of awareness. And I think through that, like I was able to, I was able to like really focus on the students. Like I really noticed like their reactions, um, because we had several returning students, but we also had several new students. Yeah. And uh, for me, just to be able to witness kind of like from your your 5,000-foot view that you have on me, me having that same sort of viewpoint detachment, if you will, on them um, was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so we, we roll into Bukalpa, and, you know, missionaries greet us. We load up all our stuff and immediately language barrier, right? You're like, wait a minute, I'm in Peru and I didn't uh, learn to speak Spanish. <laughs> right. What am I going to do now? You know, so it's just, it's humbling all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and shout out to uh, Metamora High School Spanish Department <laughs> because a lot of times when we do trips like these, our students are our translators. 
Uh, it has been amazing to watch them take what they've learned from Spanish at Metamora and put it into practice in a foreign country. So shout out to the teachers in the high school. So. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, so, so you spend a week there. Um, what do you do during your time in Pucallpa? So you, a lot of sweating. Yeah, a lot. It's pretty hot there. Yeah. In, in in La Jungla, as they say. La Jungla. La Jungla. That's Spanish for the, the jungle. jungle. Yeah. Much different than Metamorph football fields. Like welcome, welcome. to the jungle. <laughs> Much different there than that jungle. Absolutely. Um, anyway, so we get there. Um, they have some service projects for us, and I know you know usually it's painting, building some stuff, whatever. Uh, we got a shipping container. Uh, we got a forty foot shipping container um, at Mission Tech, and so Mission Tech is a a trade school, if you will, where they train young men to uh, learn skills, crafts um, that will make them more useful in the workforce, um, enabling them to get jobs okay. as, they, as they leave the orphanage, is, if I'm correct in that. Yeah, no, um, that's part of the history. Um, that's what the camp was prior to becoming Kids Alive, but then they still do some of that trade school as well right? Um, as a side. So. And so one of the gentlemen there, his name is J.P. Um, Juan Pablo, if you're listening. Juan I'm Pablo. Sure, I'm sure he Shout will. out to Juan Pablo. He had a shipping. He had acquired a shipping container of uh, about 10 years worth of stuff. And so we, our task was to unpack the shipping container, organize all the stuff, help them get it cleaned out so that they could use it for storage. Um, seems like a, a relatively menial task, tedious task. And it was... But uh, when you saw the look on, on Juan Pablo's face, he's like, look at all this room I have to store, you know, my tools, um, projects. He's like, you guys have no idea how much this is going to help the kids. Like, you know, the more you're helping me, the, the higher capacity, you know, I can help the children at a higher capacity. And yeah. so it was, uh, it was eye-opening to see, like, how, how cleaning a shipping container, painting a shipping container could impact this – small operation that they yeah. have going. Yeah, I, I think that's a great perspective, and not just for mission trips, but for um, the church as well. Like sometimes we think these tasks are pointless or meaningless, but until we see it in the bigger picture mm-hmm. of how that one domino plays out in a series of dominoes, yeah. and yeah, you guys are given this task of, of reorganizing, cleaning, painting, and you're like, we came here to work with kids, and we're doing this, but... Juan Pablo has now freed up his time and availability, working some projects that he needed to get done that impacted the kids. And you guys still got time with kids. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's kids at the, at the camp throughout the day. Um, there's kids at the orphanage. And so you guys got to, to interact with them as well. So talk to me about the kids that you interacted with. So we're, we're interacting. like you know, So we work for three or four hours in the morning. Um, we'd go eat lunch. And then in the afternoon, we would either participate in the Awana programs, which is basically uh, – I'll call, I'll call it Sunday school, but it was basically Bible teaching, uh, Bible teaching lesson, meal, songs. Um, they would play games, traditional wanna games, and just give the play, kids a place to come and you know have fun for the afternoon, get a good meal, um, do some homework, get homework help. Okay. Um, and then this know, is and like elementary, middle school, and high school. Yes. It's all coming out here at various yes. times throughout the day. Various yeah. times throughout the day. They're coming into the uh, compound. And, you know, we just get to interact with them, play with them, talk to them, um, you know, play ball. And it was just, it was awesome because yeah. they were happy. Yeah. They were, they were just as happy as kids here. Right. There, there was no difference, um, in that moment. Um, and is that, so is that, I want to, I want to stop in that moment. Like, is, is that some of maybe your 
preconceived notions before you went on the trip? Like you expected, yeah, I expected somberness and yeah. sadness and all of this stuff because of the level of poverty. I, I don't know what was going on in my head that I thought like these kids were going to just be all downtrodden, sad, and you know, meh. yeah, no, like they sang their national anthem with more pride than I've. I've ever seen kids sing a song. Yeah. I, I think that's something that I want to make sure our listeners understand that when we go on mission trips like this, we oftentimes think that's what we're going to experience because we're experiencing poverty that we're going to be just constantly overwhelmed with sadness and depression and all that stuff. And, and, and we do have to admit that yes, there is a level of, of, um, I don't know if sadness is the right word, but reality that comes into play. Like these are families that don't have, a lot of food, don't have access to clean water all the time. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not wealthy by any stretch of imagination, right? Um, and so we have to we have to understand that. And we we can't gloss over that and say that they're more happy than we are. No, they just I, I think just from my experience with mission trips, I think they're more appreciative of the small things, the little things they have, the little they have, as compared to us who have an abundance and maybe don't keep that in perspective and we're not appreciative of that right is that fair that's absolutely fair okay absolutely fair but along with that there is i think that unexpected moment that everybody when they go on an international missions trip to a developing country an impoverished area has that moment where they're like why are they so happy i didn't expect this and you you're saying you have that same thing absolutely i had just the same stigma built in my head um and it I'm so glad it was just, yeah. it was blown away. Yeah. You know, almost immediately. Almost immediately. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause you show up on camp and kids are playing sports. They're doing Awana games. They're doing all this stuff. They're having meals together and they're laughing and they're being kids. Them. Yeah. They're just being kids. They're like, just being kids. Kids are kids, right? Put a soccer ball in front of a group of kids. They're going to start kicking around, right? Play games, show love and attention to kids. They're going to respond to that. Right. I think so. my favorite, my favorite project that we worked on um they you know i kind of led the the shipping container cleaning um that was a little bit more of a large large group effort but there was a small group effort that brandon led um that seemed again rather menial take a piece of take some pvc pipe and make some soccer goals okay so we go over to the orphanage the first day and we see uh, now hold up before you go any further just a reminder uh, for confidentiality purposes, for kids alive, no names. Right, absolutely, so, no names. Or if you're going to say a name, come up with your own version of it. So names have been changed to protect the the right. innocent. Okay. So kind of deal. Yep. Um, so we roll up to the orphanage, and I mean, kids again, being kids, playing soccer. They've you know they've already they they stick to a very structured regimen of like you know schoolwork, house cleaning duties. Um, and then they get to go play. Yeah. And so we got to show up for playtime, and we're playing soccer. And um, they've they're pretty rough on some stuff down there. They get football is a big f- football 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 is a big thing down there. And so they've beaten up their soccer goals quite a bit. So one of our projects was to build them new soccer goals. And when they carried when when our team carried these soccer goals around the corner of the house, and presented these to these kids, um, the amount of joy, the smiles. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, like it's something so simple, man. Right, right. And they were just like you would have swore like they just gave them like a lifetime subscription to Fortnite yeah. for kids in the U.S. <laughs> Brand new Xboxes, right? You know what I mean? Right. And you had a little uh, Peru versus American, you know, World Cup soccer, uh, and we got destroyed. We got absolute bare, <laughs> barefoot football. We got destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is awesome. 
Well, that's that's awesome, man. And, and this podcast, we're going to have entire episodes where we dedicate to talking on some of these mm-hmm. unique aspects of mission sure. trips. We're not going to dive into all of them in depth. But in the future, Austin and I are going to um, talk about things such as poverty, things such as um, cultural awareness and interacting with a different culture and um, things, you know, crazy adventures you get to do, like swimming with piranha, you know, in the Amazon <laughs> River Basin. And um, So we're going to spend a whole episodes on, on some of the, those unique elements of mission trips. We're not going to dive into all of those here. But, sure. Um, but I do want to kind of land the plane here with this, you know, it was this trip to Peru this past year, six months ago, mm-hmm. where you came up with the idea of this podcast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and what was the motivation? Why, why did you think podcast, what was it that you wanted to do as a result of this experience? So I sitting at a desk for eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, listen to a lot of podcasts, right? Um, it's a good way to reach people. Uh, I sent out like close to 40 letters last year asking people for money yeah. um, to support me through Peru. And again, from my childhood, follow through was not necessarily my strong suit. Okay. Not necessarily my strong suit. And so in my letter, I had kind of divulged that I was going to, you know, hey, keep up on Facebook, keep up on, you know, email. I'll be sending out updates of, you know, how we're preparing, how the team's preparing um, while we're kind of in country, what what's going on down there. And then, you know, post post reviews, post coverage, if you will. Okay. And uh, I didn't do any of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so God's conviction, he was like, hey, man, um, leverage what you know about podcasts and a little bit of technology to tell this story this year. Yeah. And so I was kicking around the idea of how do I, how do, I do a podcast. So I took the idea to one of my awesome mentors named Chris Genders, and he was like, dude, yes, like I love it. Um, and just made it happen. Yeah. And so here we are, episode two, episode two and, uh, rolling along. So our goal with this podcast, um, I think we said in episode one, but kind of hinting at it here as well today, our goal in this podcast was started with Peru. We wanted to give you guys in kind of behind the scenes glimpse at all that it takes to plan and prepare for a missions trip and then also to experience it. And so we're talking about doing nightly podcasts while we're in Peru this next year in 2019. But then we also realized, like, there's a whole lot of student ministry that people don't understand because they don't see the behind the scenes. Um, I've had some some high school students job shadow me recently, and in their reports they write these, you know, 15, 17-page reports. And one of the things that they, they said was, I had no clue what all it takes to make student ministry work, what all, you know, you and Brandon and the other leaders do for us as students. And so this podcast is also that. Uh, we wanted to just kind of – Pull the curtain back, reveal to you guys um, things that you may not ever know or think about when it comes to student ministry. Meet some of the leaders um, that are involved, such as Austin, and hear their stories. And so it's going to be kind of a a mix of topics every episode, but it's all going to be centralized around student ministry in somehow, uh, some fashion. So. We, uh, we're glad you're tuning in with us. Austin, man, thanks for, for giving us your time today. Um, letting us interview you, one of the co-hosts. Like you're going to be on this side of the microphone from now on yes. as you and I are interviewing people <laughs> together. Uh, so we kind of put you in the hot seat today, but thanks for sharing your story, your life, and uh, thanks for all you're doing for the kingdom of God. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you. Thank you much, so much for your leadership and in pouring into me um, to make all of this volunteer work, all of this um, – possible Um, without your leadership i would still be doing what austin was doing (laughs) and so i'm very thankful for that 
No um, problem. It's been my pleasure. So yep. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you guys for listening. I think that's it. Sounds good. We'll uh, we'll be coming back to you in a couple of weeks with episode three. Uh, not sure what the topic is yet, but Austin <laughs> and I will figure that out, and uh, we'll put it out there for you. Thanks for listening, guys. Later.